Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. It's time to get green. Doug Oster and Jessica Wallacer are here. All natural, no pesticides, no artificial ingredients. The Organic Gardeners are on KDKA Radio. All right, Matt Frome will be here shortly. Davy Trees Talking Trees. Doug and Jess ready to go to work. They want to hear from you at 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank Instant Access, KDKRadio.com. We're going to take 10th caller to begin this Father's Day edition of their program by giving some lucky caller who happens to be number 10 at 412-922-1020 an incredible $25 gift certificate from Sorgles, and we hope that you... Patronize all of our sponsors today on this Father's Day. And here they are, a great father in his own right, Doug Oster, and a lady who's married to a great father, ladies and gentlemen, Jessica Wallace. Good morning, you two. Good morning, Doug Oster from Everybody Gardens and the Tribune Review. And I'm horticulturist Jessica Wallace. Our happy Father's Day, you guys. Thank, Thank you. you. And happy Father's Day Jinx. to my, I know. my husband and, and uh, my dad and all the and other all dads, the dads out there. Out there. Hope you have a nice lazy day in the rain today because it's more rain in the forecast i'm cooking out i don't care if it's raining i don't you care stand if it's out a there monsoon. with your umbrella yeah i don't care i prepped all the food last night it's it's going on the grill that's the way it's gonna be what are you having we're having fillets nice. uh, i'll be over salmon uh, roasted peppers roasted scapes oh garlic scapes yep. very good and uh, we'll see what oh party potatoes my wife's making my favorite party what's potato. party potatoes cheesy potatoes they're oh, nice. phenomenal baked like a, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, like a, mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. nice. It's going to be good. Sounds like it's going to be a heck of a Father's Day we're party at your gonna, house. We're going to have fun. You're going to have a line up the driveway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if they can find it. <laughs> Hidden in the woods. All right, Jess. So last night, just pouring again. Yeah. This has been quite ridiculous. AccuWeather says next five days, same thing. Yep. Well, yep. I guess... I've started to hear about them already, slugs. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, slugs, fungal diseases. Uh, I mean, I've been hearing from people about their tomatoes, you know, the bottom leaves turning yellow, which is, you know, blights are really common on tomatoes, but this early is really pretty unusual, and it's just because of how much rain we've been having. And there's so little you can do about fungal diseases. And I'm actually curious to talk to Matt from Davy Tree uh, in our second half hour because I'm I'm sure that they're seeing lots of issues with trees. And I mean, they, they always seem so dramatic when the leaves turn brown and start to drop off of trees. I mean, it's really dramatic. It's terrible on a tomato plant, but when you see it happen on your trees, it's almost panic inducing. So I'm, I think it's important for everybody to remember and realize that, you know, these cycles of nature, right? We have wet years, the fungal issues really thrive. And then other years we have dry and they don't. And so it's sort of a waxing and waning issue we've you had know? some dry years not recently right <laughs> we really haven't crazy recently start to the season another crazy wet start but you can't come i know we all complain but you can't complain too much because the reverse is so much worse oh right you know right. oh the long periods of drought and that's really really tough on a garden and a gardener frankly so so i have a pop-up event today oh are you popping up somewhere i am popping up at like Han- a vole out of a hole in the ground 
Pop, there's yeah, Doug. Like, like, what is that game with the hammer with oh, the whack mole? whack-a-mole, whack-a-dug. Whack-a-dug. <laughs> <laughs> um, Therese Neymark grew out some three, 3945 tomato seeds. Those are the tomato seeds I give away that were found on the battlefield at World War II, and I didn't have enough seeds to give away this year. Well... I've got about 100 little itty-bitty seedlings of 39.45 to give away today at Han Nursery, 11 a.m. All you got to do is come, and I'll give you a free little seedling. As I said, they're tiny, but put them in now. They'll they'll do their thing by the end of the season. Uh, my late friend Dan, Dan Cummings told me about these uh, seeds, and his friend, Joe Roberts, was in World War II, and they were coming across a battlefield, and they came across this entire field of tomatoes. And they were all, like, of course, overjoyed. They started eating these tomatoes and stuffing them in their pockets. And so Joe saved some seeds. And after all those years, uh, that seed's still out there. And it's a big tomato. Dan grew one nearly four pounds. Uh, what? Or, yeah, orangish red that he he describes as uh, meaty and juicy. Hmm. And so I've been giving the seeds away for a while. If you'd like some free... 39.45 tomato seeds come to Han today at 11 a.m. And after that, Han's putting all the stuff that you and I love on sale. Uh, Revita fertilizer, oh. which is the fertilizer Jessica used to drive back to Ohio to get for us. Uh, Corydalus is one of our favorite perennials. And some other things, too. And I will be your personal shopper. If you come and you want to look around, I will guide you to some plants I really love there at Han. So today, Han Nursery, 11 a.m. There is one more bug I wanted to ask you about. Okay. Four-line plant bug, because yes. I've started to see the, well, I don't know if I've started to see the damage. I think I'm at the end of the damage, but mm -hmm. I've seen it on my new Amazel Basil. <laughs> oh, that's a shame to see it on that one, because that's such a great uh, powdery mildew or mildew-resistant basil. And uh, it's always a shame when you see, you, you get this great mildew-resistant basil, and then you end up with the insect <laughs> damage on it. Uh, mm -hmm. Sort of, yeah, catch-22 there. But uh, yeah, four-line plant bugs, man, they... They leave these little round uh, pockmarks on plants, just perfect little circles that when there's a lot of damage, the circles will kind of blend together and sort of make crispy looking leaves, usually at the top of the plant. So the newer leaves, and they love plants that have high essential oil content. So a lot of the herbs, they're often on my uh, oregano and your basil and other um, lavender and things like that. And then also anything that has a really fragrant foliage like Russian sage. Um, and even they're all, this year, they're on my uh, Shasta daisy, which, daisies, which they usually aren't. They leave these little round circles. The, uh, the insect itself is really interesting looking because it's sort of this electric green and black stripes. So the, the four lines are the black stripes on the back, and then there's these electric green stripes in between, and they're fast. They're really fast moving. When you see them, they just scoot under the leaf immediately. The good news is they really only actively feed for about four weeks, and there's only one generation per year. Where are they're we? just there? about done. Okay, that's what in I fact, thought. In fact, they were late this year because it was such a cool spring. Um, I didn't see their damage. I thought, oh my gosh, I don't have any this year, but now just recently. So I, I think we probably have another week, maybe week and a half to see them and then they'll go away. And what I just do is prune out the damage and then the plant goes on to have a great rest of the season. Hey, congratulations to uh, Monica from Butler, winner of that gift certificate from Sorgles. We have one from Janoski's within the half hour. Doug and Jess want to talk to you. Plus, Matt Frome will be here from Davy Trees, Talking Trees, within 20 minutes from now. Give us a call, 866-391-1020, and you can reach us via the internet at Dollar Bank Instant Access, kdkradio.com. 
Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners are on KDKA Radio. All right, let's get uh, to the phones as we begin the broadcast today with the callers. It is the Organic Gardeners, Doug and Jess. Uh, Matt, from, Matt Fromm will be here coming up in just a little bit, so I hope you'll stay with him and talking trees, Davy trees, within 20 minutes. But right now, here's Tom in Bethel Park. Tom, good morning. Welcome to KDK Radio. How are you? Oh, good morning. I'm good. Thank you. Uh, about a month ago, I had some real nice iris flowers, which are now done. Should the flower stems be removed? Yes, and you actually want to cut the entire flower stalk all the way back down to the base of the plant or where it meets the leaves. Okay. Yeah. And on some of them, there are some large green pods. Mm-hmm. What do you do with those? Yeah, so you want to cut those off unless you plan to grow new iris from seed, which takes a long time. It's a long process. Okay. Normally, you cut those off. Ideally, you cut them off before they even form. Uh, because it takes a lot of energy from the plant to produce seeds, and you really want the energy to go into making a bigger, better plant. So, okay. Now, yeah. about the iris leaves, do you remove them at any time? Um, I do when they start to look really lousy, because <laughs> usually in another month or so, they start to turn yellow, and they get sometimes they get slimy. If you get iris spores in them, they really don't look so good. And so at that point, I will go through and I will clean up the plant, Uh, either just with my hands or using a pair of sharp pruners. I'll clean up anything that doesn't look so hot and cut that back. Okay, so not yet. And one more. Um, On the daffodils, uh, when removing the flower stem on those, uh, is it okay to pull them out or should they only be cut off? Uh, I have been out of the ground. Yeah, you mean when harvesting the flowers for vases, that sort of thing? No. Now, the flowers are obviously done. Uh, can I pull that flower stem out, or should I only cut it off? You mean the foliage? The, the No, the flower stalk. Oh. The fl- yeah. the, right, the flower stalk. Well, it's all can go now. It's all brown and... Yeah, he's just wondering, does he have to cut it, or can he just yank it out? Yes. Hmm. I don't know. I, every time I yank it out, I end up pulling the bulb out. Because <laughs> the, the <laughs> like thing, I accidentally pulled the bulb The reason I was out. confused was uh, I'd always cut my daffodils for vases. Uh-huh. But then Brent Heath from Brent and Becky's Bulbs taught me to just gently pull them from the, the bottom hmm. so that it had a solid thing on the bottom oh, and not, really? yeah, and it makes a big difference on how long how they long last. How long last in a vase, so, huh? So, Tom, that's why I was confused. Well, that's one of the reasons that I was confused. <laughs> it's also early in the morning. It's early in the morning, right. and I'm generally confused. Yeah, so, I, I mean, so I don't I think it really it matters. I mean, I don't think it really matters. I sort of snap mine off. I was trying to think in my head of how I do it, and I think I sort of follow it all the way down to the base of the plant, and then I sort of give it a good twist and snap, and it snaps off. Um, I think you could pull it if you didn't risk pulling out the bulb. But even in the, even in the spring, when doing it that way, you risk pulling, pulling the bulb. bulb. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. gotta be careful. It's too, a two hand job. Yeah, there's yeah. still a lot of green leaves on the daffodils, though. Yeah, and you should let those naturally die back. Jeez, mine are just mine are all brown. No, and mine are still green and beautiful. Pr- prostrate. Really? Yeah. No, mine are still green and beautiful too. So, I would. I usually they recommend waiting until about they turn halfway yellow, um, because again the the food that they've formed through photosynthesis needs to travel back down to the bulb to fuel next year's bloom. So you want to let them naturally die back. Don't tie them up in a ball. Don't like, you know, people put rubber bands around them and stuff. Just let them naturally die back. And when they get to the point where you can't stand them anymore, which is for me when they're about half yellow, then you can go ahead and cut them back or pull them out. Uh, 
Yeah. And then at that point, they've pretty much fed the bulb as much as they can. I'm glad we gave him such a decisive answer. <laughs> I, know, I was thinking uh, that I'm too. I'm really confused. I think I that's don't the know. first time I've ever heard you say, I, I don't know. Oh, no, I say that every other day. No, I'm talking about on the show. <laughs> oh, okay. No, I've never heard that. All right, let's go to uh, Tom up next for Doug and Jess, North Hills. Hey, Tom, how you doing? Welcome to KDK Radio. Good morning. Um, we bought our house around 30 years or so ago, and the people who owned it before us had said they transplanted some mountain laurels from their cabins, I guess, up in the Alleghenies to the side of the house. And my wife and sister rhododendrons, and I and sister wrote, um, mountain laurels. I'm just wondering how can you tell the difference between the two of them? And they look kind of scrawny. I mean, they look scrawny ever since we've moved here. Are they blooming? I, they're blooming right now. And what color are they? Uh, they're kind of whitish towards pink. Okay. Uh, how big are each one of the individual flowers? I would say about fish fist. Okay, so that's the clump of flowers, but each that clump of flowers consists of smaller individual flowers. So how big are each one of those individual flowers? Uh, I, I'm, not, <clears throat> I'm not looking at them right now, so I have to run outside to check. Okay, them. well, so if they're the size of a dime yeah. and the petals are fused into a little <laughs> cup, so the yeah. petals are all attached to each other and it looks like a little cup, then yeah. it's mountain laurel. Okay. If the petal, if the flower itself is more the size of a quarter, yeah. and the petals are separate, so you can you can they're not fused together, they're separate. Then it's a rhododendron. My money is on your wife. Oh really? Yeah. It seems like all the rhododendrons in the area where I live seem to bloom back in May, and mine they'll bloom until the middle of June. Well, they, there are different varieties and different species that have different bloom times. Yeah, I have some right. rhododendrons that have not bloomed yet. And the right. wild ones, the ones, the species that we tend to see in the wild are later right. blooming than the ones that we tend to see in cultivation. And so, all, all those ones down at Falling Water don't bloom until July. Right. You mean right. the rhododendron? Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Okay, so I'll keep arguing with her. <laughs> no, look at the flo- look at the flower, look listen the flower. to what Jessica said, and then say, I'm sorry, you're right. <laughs> I'll have to practice. But maybe don't do it today because it's Father's Day, so you deserve to be right for this one day. Yeah. Okay. And then we, we ladies take it back after that. Then uh, we're okay. Right. Thank you. <laughs> Thank Thanks. you, Tom. In the end, you'll always take it back. That's right. <laughs> All right. Listen, that's okay. No, we make you take it back. Yeah, exactly. That's much better. All right. Listen, uh, here's the deal. we got about a minute before the break. So before Matt Fromm gets here and we talk to him from Davy Trees, we're going to spend a little time with Doug and Jess just kind of going over a few things. So what do you do for weed control with all this rain? Right, because the weeds like the rain as much as the rest of the flowers do. So weed control for me means handpicking. I was just talking to somebody about this the other day. You know, people complain about weeding, but the thing for me is it's quite therapeutic. I mean, it's quiet time alone by yourself with the birds, and you can get out there, and it's very satisfying when you're done. And if you weed early and often when the plants are still young, it makes the job so much easier than waiting till later in the season when they're all big and giant and overgrown. He, he wasn't, you disagree? He wasn't buying that. Well, that's because you've left your weeds get out of hand. You can't let them get out of hand. There's no difference in my garden between the weeds and the regular plants. They all have. They all live together weeds, happily. Weeds need love, too. That's so right. Love your weeds. Love your weeds. Don't get me wrong. I have plenty of weeds. We have plenty of weeds in the, in the lawn where I love them. We have plenty of weeds in the woods, that's for sure, in the flower beds and in the vegetable garden. I do it's get so them funny. out of there, and I do so it funny. when they're young. I was young. S- sitting out there looking at it uh, yesterday, and just I was thinking about you, and I was like, 
I don't see the weeds. I'm looking at the birds feeding, the wrens feeding. I'm looking I at see the, the birds too, I'm but I also the, see the weeds. The lilies getting ready. To, I can't see the weeds. You just got to overlook that stuff, Thank man. Goodness. It'll, it'll drive you nuts. <laughs> it would drive me nuts. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners are on KDKA Radio. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's take the 10th caller to win that $25 gift certificate from Janoski's in Clinton. Great way to spend your Father's Day. They open at 8. Numbers 412-922-1020. 10th caller wins it, 412-922-1020. And now it's time for Talking Trees, a service of the Davy Tree Expert Company. We are joined by Matt Fromm from Davy Tree, and we're talking all about what we're seeing out in the landscape when it comes to trees and I don't know if you can see from here, Matt, but the uh, wind is blowing and it was raining last night. It's something very unusual for this area. Yeah, absolutely, it is. <laughs> Said with great sarcasm. Yeah, no, this year has been uh, has been difficult for storm work. Um, you know, for for my short career, I've been with Davy for ten years and I've seen more storm damage uh, this year than I've ever seen. Um, right around uh, Thanksgiving time this year, we had a pretty bad storm event where. A lot of uh, trees got encased with ice and mostly oak trees because they still had their leaves on. A lot of the other trees had already dropped their leaves. So, you know, we had people call us around that time, you know, people who had acute storm damage that they could notice, but there's still storm damage in the trees that people, uh, you know, maybe didn't see. So having somebody come by and inspect their trees for storm damage, broken limbs, uh, you know, check the trunk, cracks in the trunk, things like that. Uh, And then, with the excessive rain that we've had, if you have any kind of shallow rooted trees, things like spruce trees or most evergreens have a fairly shallow rooted system. So uh, if you if you have something like that, you may be concerned with uh, the trees uprooting because once we get s- saturated soil and then you have these high winds, um, we've seen some trees uproot as well. And we're always talking when it comes to vegetables and other plants in our gardens about fungal issues but the same is true for trees right yeah absolutely the same is true for trees we uh we see three main things i think for the most part it's uh leaf spots um apple scab uh, is one of the most common if you have ornamental crab apples uh right now this time of year you'll start to see the spots uh emerge on the leaves they're usually black uh, or maybe a brownish color Later in the year, you'll start to see leaves start to fall off the tree prematurely. So even now into July, August, that's when the leaves will start to drop, which of course they should not be doing that until mm-hmm. you know later in the fall. Uh, so you have somebody inspect that um, and determine you know whether or not it's, it's apple scab. That's probably the most common leaf spot. And then anthracnose is a disease that affects a lot of different tree species. Dogwood is the most common and maple. Uh, it also affects white oaks. And so the the difference there is that you don't have spots on the leaves, but you have a lesion that will actually follow the leaf vein. Uh, so it's very distinctive, and you can really pick it out if you're trained to to look at look for those types of things. Needle cast is another common one. Uh, it's mainly on blue spruce, and it can get on Norway spruce, but Norway is more resistant. So if you do have blue spruce, it might be something to have somebody take a look at if you're losing needles. It's called needle cast for a reason. Drops the needles. Um, but there are some diseases that mimic and, and other things that mimic those. So you want somebody who can distinguish between whether or not it's a disease problem or an insect issue or something else. And, and what about, um, you know, years like this where we have a lot of rain, is maple tar spot more prevalent in these types of years? Or is that just sort of a 
always around. It, it would be. I mean, tar, tar spot's a less concerning disease. Okay. Um, you know, it, it's it's more superficial. Uh, it looks awful, though, it, it when a tree awful. gets it because yeah. it's just those big black splotches on the leaves yeah but, but a- absolutely though rain uh, moisture humidity and then temperature you know w- also associated with this rain has been a little bit cooler temperatures mm-hmm. here recently mm-hmm. is there and, any good news coming out of this rain for trees um well i mean i guess i would say you know it it's the, so- the soil moisture is good right now so if you planted trees this spring you probably haven't had to water them much which is um, great <laughs> but you don't want to forget later in the year uh, once it starts to dry yeah. out to, to, to water those things because it will dry out eventually and and rain that you know may have happened early in the season doesn't really carry you through all the way yeah to the talk, year, talk but, a little bit about that for especially newly planted trees how important it is for that uh for it to have moisture when we get into july and august yeah it is very important because when you transplant the tree from a nursery typically you're not retaining uh, a large percentage of that root system for that tree so it's used to being planted in the ground and then it's been dug up it's lost at least half of its root system so you want to make sure that you're watering that tree every three days or so um sometimes more if, if it's if it's really really dry but uh you know certainly right now you're not you're not probably having to do that but all right, Matt, stick around. We'll probably have some other tree questions for you. For more information about Davy Tree or to ask what's going on with your trees, go to www.davy.com slash KDKA. And don't forget, you can always call the experts at Davy Tree at 855-982-TREE. That's 855-982-8733. Matt Fromm's going to be here until 8. Doug and Jess coming back as well. We'd love to hear from you at 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank, instant access, kdkradio.com. Congratulations to Nancy of Oakdale, winner of that $25 gift certificate from Janoski. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners are on KDKA Radio. All right, let's start off with a question from Matt Brom. He, of course, from Davy Tree. This is Dollar Bank Instant Access. Doug and Jess, the Organic Gardeners. My blue spruce tree, 40 feet tall, both planted 30 years ago. One seems to look as though the needles are thinning and the color has changed. I don't see anything like insects or insect damage. Any suggestions? Matt. Well, I would have it inspected for needle cast. Uh, needle cast oftentimes is just it is a discoloration of the needle, and you really don't see any spores. They sporulate at a very specific uh, temperature, and then once that happens, you will actually see them. The needles start to turn black, and those are the fungal spores being produced. But that only happens like twice a year. Uh, it can happen in the spring, but it can also happen in the fall, which is why it's a little bit tricky of a disease because um, you can maybe not see it in the spring, and then all of a sudden, in you know. September, October, your blue spruce starts to uh, look bad. And when you have a situation like that where you have two trees and one has it and one doesn't, is it like a, you definitely want to have it checked out immediately because it could spread to the other one, right? Absolutely, it yeah. could spread to the other one. Those those uh, spores can travel miles in wind, so a, a tree that's just a few feet away could easily be uh, infected. And just because one has it and the, and the other one doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's not that disease. Right. You know, it just sure. it just means that that tree didn't get it yet. Right. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to the phones. Let's say hi to Regis in Carrick on the Organic Gardens now for Doug and Jess and Matt on KDK Radio. How you doing, Regis? Good morning. Good morning. I have a uh, boxwood that I had planted in the ground about maybe 10 years ago, and it was doing beautiful, okay? However, I wanted to move it a little bit, so because it was going, as it got bigger, it was getting too close to another bush, 
So I got a shovel, and it took one shovel, and I popped up right out of the ground. It wasn't, you know, I got all the root all at one time. Replanted it, and now it has, you know, the leaves are so small on it, they're only maybe a half inch, but so many of them are turning like a tan color and just dropping off. There's still many more green than there is tan but they keep dropping on me. Yeah, and the ones that are dropping, are they sort of from the interior of the plant or the bottom leaves? No, from the outside. All, so, all Pretty much over, all over, but they're from the outside. So the are, looks, If you look at the bush inside, it seems very healthy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... What time oh, of year did you dig it up? Did you just do that just recently, or did you do that... I did it about two weeks ago. Okay. Now, maybe it's just in a little bit of shock, but I don't know if I should feed it again or what. Yeah, most likely the, the shock has something to do with that. I mean, typically when you transplant something, you want it to be dormant. So, you know, doing it early in the spring or even in the fall is a good time. Um, you know, it, it's probably worth inspecting it for some disease, but I would I would assume that uh, it's probably from the transplant. Yeah, if you hadn't transplanted and it did this, I would be a lot more worried. But the fact that you just transplanted it says it it's probably a transplant check. I would again, at least the weather for transplanting it, right. <laughs> all this rain and, and gray right. is is a, is probably saving that. That bush. Right, right, exactly. And the def- what you definitely do not want to do is fertilize. Um, fertilizing at the time when you transplant something like that is not a great idea because it's putting out these really tender feeder roots that can be burned really easily by fertilizer. So whenever I transplant something, I tell people, don't add fertilizer at the time of transplant. Wait about a year after you do that transplanting to then go ahead and add that fertilizer. By then you have some semblance of a, you know, a new root system built and you don't risk burning it. So you have to be real careful when you use fertilizer right at the time of transplanting. The only thing I did do was put, after I transplanted it two weeks ago, I put like one sprinkling can of miracle Grow on it. Okay, so that wouldn't be, that wouldn't probably have anything to do with the reason why the, the leaf browning is occurring. It's more people sometimes will add granular fertilizer into the planting hole, and no, that can I, cause a lot of issues. So, but it doesn't sound like, but I, I would not recommend adding any more fertilizer at this point. Just give the plant some time to get over that transplant shock, and I think it'll be okay. Thank you very much. You bet. All right, about three minutes left. So let's try to get another call in here. Let's head out to Indiana and say hello to Pat for Doug and Jess on KDK Radio's Organic Gardeners. Good morning, Pat. Hi. Uh, thanks for taking the call. I live on the side of a hill and I have a steep slope out front down to the street. And it's planted in a blue rug, Wiltoni juniper, probably when the house was built in the mid-50s. It is not keeping out weeds. It is infested with dandelions and grass and every imaginable weed. I can't weed it anymore. It's too difficult to do. Is there anything that I could spray on it that wouldn't harm the juniper but would kill the grass and weeds? Uh, And if that's not possible, is it something that can be dug out with hand tools uh, like a pickaxe or a mattock or do you have to use a backhoe? do you have any suggestions? All no, ageless questions for the blue rug juniper. <laughs> if I had, an an- if I had that, a good answer as to something you could spray on there, I would be a bajillionaire. Uh, unfortunately, there is. I mean, I wish there was a something that we could spray and it would only target the weeds. But weeds, it, yeah, unfortunately, there isn't. 
Right. So, for me, I would be running a weed whacker over the top of it to try and get the the weeds out of there the best I could. Like just what's sticking a, out yeah, above the top yeah, of the yeah, juniper. That's what I. That's how I would do it. Yeah, we've we've replaced things like that for people in the past, and it is very difficult. You can dig it out by hand, but it just depends yeah. on how much you have. And we we use normally we use a backhoe, small yeah. backhoe, or a little yeah. skid steer, or uh, something yeah, like so that. It's pretty extensive. You have a lot of vi- you know sort of like viney growth, you know, from how they crawl across the ground and then it reroots and. Right. Um, but it's fairly shallow, so you can get it out fairly easily um you know as far as like a a good solution i mean anything on a hillside is difficult you know uh you can try to plant flowers and things but but you're still gonna have to weed it that's the thing like you even if you get a ground cover in there or a different shrub you're still gonna have to keep it weeded right from the get-go Hey, be sure to come out and see me today at Han Nursery at 11 a.m. I'm giving away some free 3945 tomato seedlings. They're seeds that were found on the battlefield at World War II. We're going to have a lot of fun out there today. Right, let's see how good you are. You've got a minute to do your clothes, say goodbye, and all that other good stuff, and answer this question from Mariana. Go ahead, Mariana, quickly. Uh, I, will, I would like to know about orchids. What do you do to, to let it bloom again? I have three. One is in bloom, but the other two they have not. Yeah. And I was wondering. Yeah. So you have to, this time of year, they should be outside in a shady location. You should be fertilizing them with a liquid organic fertilizer every week. Weekly, weekly, weekly. Weekly, weekly. Every week you need to be fertilizing them. And then when the temperatures get down, the nighttime temperatures get down into the 50s, it's time to bring that plant inside. And then you sit there and you cross your fingers and you hope that it worked to generate another set of blooms. Remember, the organic gardeners always aim to create a better place to garden and a safer place to live. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.